Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 480 for the 14th of February, 2016. Happy Valentine's Day. This week, not too long ago, password managers were just nice to have. Now they're essential. In short circuits, computers and the internet are changing how we interact with the nation's healthcare system. And the latest version of Windows 10 in the fast ring merits a yawn. That's not a bad thing. In spare parts, only on the website, scammers are now targeting children, and China-based WeChat handed out money with an ulterior motive in Times Square around the Chinese New Year. If you've been around computers long enough, you remember when antivirus programs weren't essential. You remember when only a few early adopters had home networks. Antivirus programs have been extended to protect against all kinds of threats, and they haven't been optional for decades. It seems like just about everybody has a home network these days. Now it's time for everybody to have a password manager. There are free password managers, but the better choice is invariably a paid application. These range from LastPass and Zoho at $12 a year to LogMeOnce and Dashlane at $40 a year. Some of the paid applications also have free versions. I've used LastPass for several years. Although it has a low price, it also has a surprising number of features, and the newly released version 4 gave the application a new and improved look and feel. Even the free version has a lot of features, but additional useful features come at a cost of just $1 per month. LastPass was acquired late last year by LogMeIn. That has given me a bit of cause for concern. LogMeIn once offered its service for free, too, but discontinued it without notice and then priced the paid service so that casual users couldn't afford it. I'm hoping that doesn't happen to LastPass. When you install LastPass, you'll be asked which browsers you want to have it activated for, whether to log into your account when you open the browser, whether you want to keep a history of logins and form activations, and whether error messages should be sent to LastPass to help developers improve the product. The installation process may or may not install add-on features into all browsers. Some manual effort is needed for some browsers, and currently, add-ons don't work at all with Microsoft Edge. Password managers encrypt your usernames and passwords and then store them on your computer or on a server or both. LastPass does both. When you connect to a password-protected site, the password manager decrypts your credentials and logs you on. The password manager is, of course, protected by its own password. That password needs to be both strong and memorable. Strong, so that your other passwords remain safe, because that's what's protecting them, and memorable, so you don't forget it. When you log on to a new site, LastPass can capture your username and password and then offer to store it. LastPass can also create a secure password for you, 
By default, the password generator creates 12 character passwords that use digits, capital letters, and small letters. I recommend changing that to 16 characters and adding symbols. The LastPass Vault shows a list of sites you've saved. Clicking one of those links takes your browser to the site and logs you in. The free version of LastPass displays ads, but these ads are eliminated if you choose the paid version. Again, it's a buck a month. In addition to saving website addresses, usernames, and passwords, LastPass can save secure notes and information needed to fill in web forms. This can include names, addresses, phone numbers, and credit card information. LastPass also includes a security challenge that examines your saved passwords, identifies duplicate passwords, identifies weak passwords, points out passwords that haven't been changed for a long time, and it warns about passwords that are associated with sites that may have been compromised. After that, the service offers to update passwords automatically for more than 75 of the most popular websites. I found that process didn't always work exactly as it should. A relatively new feature provides emergency access for people you trust. This could be a valuable feature in the event of your death or injury. Users specify who can have access to any given password, and also you can specify a waiting period for each trusted person. LastPass warned me about several duplicate passwords. Some duplication, I think, is okay. For example, the Worthington Public Library has several services that share the same credentials. Additionally, I'm not really concerned about having duplicate passwords on trivial sites such as newspapers. Another useful LastPass feature allows users to share passwords securely. When you share a password, you can specify whether the person you're sharing with can see the password or just use it to log in. Those who use LastPass will see a notification within the program on their computer, but when you share a password with someone who doesn't use LastPass, that person will receive a link to install the free version of LastPass. Premium users can create a shared folder. This is useful for members of a family. You can specify whether other users can just see and use your passwords or be able to edit the records. Some applications that run on your computer or mobile device require passwords. LastPass can help there, too. Premium users can download LastPass for applications. Each application needs to be set up, so you might find an application such as Macro Express to be a better fit, at least on Windows computers. I mentioned that you need a strong and memorable password. You can have a long password. But if a crook figures out that your master password is NY Public Library 42nd at sign 5th Fuzzcat, then that person has access to all of your accounts. By the way, that is not my master password, and it is not the password for any service I use. So feel free to play with it. You can add another layer of protection by using multi-factor authentication. That's available in both free and paid versions. The free version uses Google Authenticator, Twilo Authy, and Duo Mobile Free. Users can log in only if they know your master password and have access to a smartphone, your smartphone. You can also choose a multi-factor option that uses a numeric grid on a small card you can carry around. The premium version can use a fingerprint reader if your computer or mobile device has that functionality built in. And there are also several options that use a USB device. 
The free version of LastPass can be installed on Windows, Macs, Linux systems, Apple and Android phones and tablets, but you can't synchronize them. For a dollar a month, premium users can. If you have more than one type of device, I think you'll find it's worth that $12 a year just to be able to do the synchronization. And if you're still wondering why you need something like this, well, here's an example. An internet creep with uncommonly good timing tried to hijack my Facebook account this week. I'm used to receiving messages from Facebook when I log on from a new device or a new location, but the message I received on Wednesday was very clear. Someone had attempted to change my password, and that person had failed. Why would somebody want to do this? Well, mainly it's an attempt to spread malware or to use social engineering to get money. If somebody gains control of your Facebook account, that person can send a message to all of your friends. The message might say, Help! I've been traveling in Europe, and thieves stole all of my money in Kiev. Until I pay my hotel bill, I can't leave. Could you wire me $1,000 to some fake account, and I'll pay you back just as soon as I'm home? I've received messages like that, and probably so have you. The ones that I've received generally claim to be from people who either don't like to travel or who do like to travel but don't have enough money to do it. Some people do fall for the trick, though. This week I quickly changed my password from something that was rather basic but still fairly secure to a 16-character password that is extremely secure. Then I disconnected all devices from Facebook. That meant that I had to re-enter the passwords on every computer with multiple browsers on every tablet, and on every phone where I use Facebook. LastPass made that process easy. So without trying, I came up with a great example of why a password manager is no longer a luxury. The bottom line for LastPass, five cats, everybody needs a password manager. LastPass is a good choice. Great functionality and reliable security at a reasonable price. LastPass is compatible with all browsers except Microsoft Edge, and Edge will support add-ons sometime later this year. It also supports Android and Apple devices. Your passwords are encrypted and stored locally and on the LastPass server. If you can't spare $15 a year, the free version is still very powerful. You'll find additional details on the LastPass website, there's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. In short circuits, medical care is a lot different than it used to be. Insurance companies have websites that provide health information and explanation of benefit forms. Physicians make it possible to schedule appointments, request prescription refills, and even view the results of tests online. Some organizations even give people a way to work with a physician by phone or computer to handle routine medical issues. The changes have been relatively rapid, and many of them profoundly change the way medical care is provided. This became particularly clear to me on February 1st when I dropped by my doctor's office for a routine annual exam. I had scheduled and confirmed the appointment online. The medical practice started computerizing all of its records a year or two ago, and that process is now mostly complete. 
During the exam, both the nurse and the doctor entered vital signs and other information into notebook computers. The practice has Wi-Fi throughout the building, so all of the information is collected in a central server. When the doctor decided to make a slight change in one of my prescriptions, he typed the change into the notebook computer and received immediate confirmation from the pharmacy. The updated prescription was delivered to my house a few days later. Because this was an annual physical, some blood work was done. Instead of receiving a printout with some handwritten notes a week or two later, I was able to go to the practice's website the next day and view the results. Instead of sending paper copies of explanation of benefit forms, insurance companies now send email messages. Patients can then go online immediately to review the new forms. But perhaps the most significant changes on both physicians' websites and insurance companies' websites is the addition of health-related information, ranging from advice about how to stay healthy instead of treating illnesses, that's better for both people and insurance providers, or how to find a physician, perhaps answering questions about medical issues, or even replacing a lost insurance ID card. One medical advance that provides fast, low-cost online access to physicians is a variant of telemedicine. Telemedicine uses telecommunications, computers, and internet technologies to provide clinical health care at a distance. Often telemedicine allows specialists in large cities or at teaching hospitals to interact with patients in small rural hospitals where there may be no local specialists. The variant that provides access to more generalized medical care often uses the term telemedicine, but it allows individuals to contact physicians for routine medical needs or to discuss medical concerns that aren't emergencies. Emergencies still need to be dealt with by hospital emergency departments or by urgent care providers, but this variant of telemedicine can be a worthwhile option for people who need a prescription or a prescription refill or who have routine medical questions they'd like to discuss with a doctor. Frequently, these plans cost just $20 to $30 a month. You can find more information on a site such as Telemedicine for You. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Another interesting service that operates in the healthcare space is ZocDoc. The founder of ZocDoc suffered a burst eardrum in 2007. He couldn't get an appointment to see a doctor for four days. Nick Ganchow thought that there ought to be a better way to find a doctor. After all, we can order lots of things online and have them delivered the next day. What came from that experience was ZocDoc. ZocDoc shows appointment availabilities so that prospective patients can select the earliest appointment and book that appointment on their computer. This is particularly helpful when you're searching for a specialist or if you're new in an area and need to find a primary care physician. You'll find more information at ZocDoc, and there's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. Microsoft has released build 14,257 of Windows 10 in the fast ring, but it continues in the pattern of other recent releases by providing little that even testers will notice. Developers are working on what will be the second major Windows 10 update that will be released sometime during the summer. 
It's nicknamed Redstone, and I could probably make some sort of lame joke about how Microsoft is rocketing into the future. Rocketing? Okay, for those who weren't around in the 1950s and 1960s, Redstone rockets were short-range ballistic missiles. They were taken out of service in 1964. NASA used the Redstone to launch the Mercury space capsules. On the TechBiter World Wide website, you'll see a picture of a Redstone rocket carrying John Glenn, who later became a U.S. Senator from Ohio, into orbital spaceflight. Alan Shepard made the first Mercury flight, so he was the first American in space for all of 15 minutes. Gus Grissom was the Mercury astronaut in another suborbital flight. And in 1962, Glenn was the first American to orbit Earth aboard Friendship 7. TechBiter Worldwide now returns you to Earth. The latest Windows 10 preview release consists mainly of all but invisible fixes and performance improvements. Abe Gall, who's Microsoft's corporate vice president of the engineering systems team, says the teams are still early in their work on new features, so changes in this build are mostly about laying the foundation for those features to start coming into other builds. Microsoft is picking up the pace of fast ring builds, all says you'll notice that this build is only six revs newer than the last build we sent out to the fast ring, and that means there will be fewer big changes between builds as opposed to this time last year when builds were about 30 days apart. Some of the fixes in this build include the issue of a periodic app crash or other memory-related app errors due to a memory management change. The connect button now shows up again in the action center, F12 developer tools will now load correctly in Microsoft Edge. Microsoft fixed an issue where suggested apps were being shown on the Start menu, even though occasionally Show Suggestions in Start was turned off. Developers also fixed an issue that causes a problem in some instances when users tried to change the lock screen image. All says Microsoft has also fixed an issue where the positions of desktop icons get jumbled after switching DPI settings from 100% to 150 or 175%. And a bug that made it impossible to paste a new file into a compressed zip file has been squished. As I said, for the most part, the changes in this release are all but invisible. Known issues in this release include at least one that could be very serious, and it illustrates why the fast ring build should never be used on a production computer. I quote the release from Microsoft. If you choose Reset This PC under Settings, Updated Security, Recovery, your PC will be in an unusable state. There is no workaround if your PC gets into this state, and you will need to reinstall Windows. Microsoft says this issue will be fixed in the next build. You can still roll back to the previous build if for some reason this build doesn't work out for you, the bug also existed in build 14,251, so, says Microsoft, please avoid resetting your PC on these builds. If that doesn't frighten you, it should. One of my computers does run on the fast ring, just so I can keep an eye on how things are progressing, but the primary desktop system sticks to the stable versions. And so should you with any computer that would be problematic if you suddenly had to stop everything and reinstall the operating system. You don't have to stop everything for spare parts, only on the website. This week, scammers are now targeting children. 
and China-based WeChat handed out money with an ulterior motive in Times Square around the Chinese New Year. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.